All right. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. We are now live uh, every Thursday at 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern, live on LinkedIn, live on YouTube, live on Facebook. And excited to have you all here. Uh, new format for us. We're doing this audio, we're doing this video still from um, uh, the basement here in the farmhouse, uh, but excited to be doing this every week. Uh, and uh, if you are watching live, thank you for joining us in the middle of the workday. If you are joining live, you have the opportunity to be part of the podcast. Uh, any comments you make, any questions you make, we'll be able to add to the broadcast and, and, and ask of our guests today. If you are watching this on demand, listening to this uh, through the podcast, thank you so much for joining us. We do this every week, interviewing some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing. So check us out every Thursday, uh, midday on LinkedIn, and you can find all past episodes of Sales Pipeline Radio oddly only at salespipelineradio.com. Very excited to have with us today, Karen Tiber Leland, uh, who is a like so your bio and LinkedIn is one of my new favorites because you basically the things you have done is impressive. Best-selling author, CEO of Sterling Marketing Group, TEDx speaker, dark chocolate lover, and wannabe sure. cowgirl. So the dark chocolate lover part is a little self-explanatory, but tell me about the wannabe cowgirl. Oh my goodness. I just got back from a week at a ranch of horseback riding in Denver. So your timing's perfect. Oh you know, God. during uh, when I was a kid, I, I used to do some horseback riding, but you know, when I was a kid, here's how you did horseback riding. They put you on a horse without a helmet. They slapped the horse on the behind and the horse just went. And as long as you didn't fall off, everything was okay. It's not like I was taking any big equestrian lessons. And then as an adult, you know, every once in a while when I'd be in a foreign country, I'd go on a ride, same thing. And in the middle of COVID, I thought, you know what? I'm going to take up horseback riding again, but I'm really going to take it up as a sport. I'm going to mm -hmm. learn it the way you should learn it mm -hmm. um, because I can be outdoors and you're with the horses. And it turned out to be a perfect thing to do during COVID. And I've just gotten completely like I want to be a cowgirl when I grow up. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Wannabe cowgirl in New York City. And um, yeah, there's something about horses. So we were we were out last week as a family up a little north of Seattle and we're visiting some friends who had a horse and a donkey and our kids don't get a lot of time with them. And just, you know, we have we have dogs, we have cats, we have chickens. We do not have um, horses and donkeys. Right. And so it was just a whole lot of fun. And, you know, as you would imagine, my kids can't wait to go back and do it again. Yeah. Um, horses, so we can really great to be around oh man you get a good horse yeah just really really super smart animals really fun to be with um we could probably spend a whole 20 minutes just talking about horses and uh getting out on the ranch but i do want to talk about thought leadership so i feel like we've like the, the concept of thought leadership i feel like has been around for a while we think about thought leaders and influencers at companies and people that have influence You've been talking a lot about thought leadership from a corporate and company perspective. So I wanted to ask yeah. you to sort of describe what does that mean? How is that different and why is it important? Well, I think the leading edge of thought leadership right now is corporate thought leadership. We, we are all familiar with individual thought leadership where an individual builds their personal brand by becoming a thought leader in a specific space, right? But I think one of the things that's happened with COVID is companies obviously have stopped doing large conferences. They were doing things online. But mm -hmm. I think even when they go back to doing large conferences, and I do believe they will, I think what we're mm -hmm. going to end up with is a hybrid model where you'll have large conferences with an online component. I don't think it'll, I think it's gonna be a, a hybrid moving forward. But I think one of the things companies have seen was that, the, that they don't need to just build their brand 
by having these big conferences with a lot of speakers. They can build their brand through more internal thought leadership activities. So it's the same idea as individual thought leadership. You know, whenever I work with a CEO or an executive on their personal brand, we're always thinking about their thought leadership, but it's taking that idea and it's translating it to the corporate world. Meaning that thinking about your company, what are the areas that your company's an expert in? What are the areas your company wants to be seen as a leader in? You know, What are the spaces your company wants to be seen as a leader in? And then what is the strategy for becoming thought leaders in that field? And it's just as we do it with the personal, you have to have a strategy because if you're a corporation, you have to think about there's 40 different tactics you could use to become a thought leader in a particular yeah. space. Even if you're a Fortune 500 company, you're not gonna probably do all 40 tactics. You're gonna wanna strategically figure out what are the four to six tactics that are gonna be the most efficacious for you as a corporate corporation to establish thought leadership? Which of those go into the strategy? And so I find I'm working a lot with companies now on what's their thought leadership strategy as a company. And there's really two parts to it. There's the overall corporate thought leadership, but then there's empowering your executives to also be seen as thought leaders. So, mm-hmm. so many times an executive will call me and go, you know, Karen, I know I really need to redo my LinkedIn and be more out there, but my company doesn't want to pay for it. And I say, well, why not? They go, well, they don't really think, they think that's for me personally. And I really want to say to every company out there, no, no, no. Right now, today, the world we live in, potential customers, potential employees, potential investors, all of those people are looking at your senior executive staff. So it it behooves you as a corporation to make sure that you're not only doing the corporate thought leadership piece, but you're empowering all your senior executives to really have their act together online so that they're becoming thought leaders also in the space. And those are two really big changes that, that I've seen just in the last, I would say, year. Well, and let's dig into those a little further, because I think a lot of people will say, okay, thought leadership means sort of defining and owning a category. And maybe that that's part of it, but I think there's also a distinction between sort of evangelizing the category and evangelizing the problem. Talk about sort of how to sort of build a category and create consistency yeah. at the corporate level by making sure people understand that the problem needs to be solved before you start evangelizing the solution. It's so funny because people always, every week I get calls from people that go, I want to be a thought leader or, or my company wants to be a thought leader. And my not so joking response is, okay, but first you have to have some thoughts. Yes. <laughs> right? So thought leadership isn't so much about solving a problem as it really ultimate in its, in its finest is really about thinking new thoughts. So that means that if you're a company and you're doing thought leadership at a company, you're not just saying here's problem A and we're going to solve it by problem B. Mm-hmm. That's, that's thought leadership, but it's kind of a lower level of thought leadership. It's more saying, here's the problems, here's the current solutions, here's the current thinking, here's the work, the research, the thoughts that we've gone into creating what's on the leading edge of thinking about these issues and not just solving the problem, but what's the next iteration? What's the next development? What's the next breakthrough? And so really companies that are doing that aren't just solving a problem, they're pointing and leading the way towards where we're going next. And that might be through research, that might be through education. You know, that's through a lot, there's a lot of different pathways to that, but they really are thinking new thoughts. They're not just recycling the same old thoughts and the same old solutions. Yeah. 
talk about what it takes to build the habit and discipline of doing this. I think, you know, when I think about where executives or companies sort of fall down is by saying, we want to create thought leaders. Here's some things for you to tweet, right? As opposed to like, how do you build the muscle of creating insights, of creating not just of not just creating the insights, but also creating the habits to start sharing them on a consistent basis. Yeah, you know, I was working with a Fortune 500 company last year on this very topic of thought leadership, but really in in getting it into the culture, right? Mm -hmm. Not just having it be a little thing they do with a few tweets, but getting it into the culture. And one of the challenges was that the mindset has to change in a corporation from being what I would call a, 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 sprint mindset to a marathon mindset. Mm -hmm. What happens is there's a very sprint mindset. We're going to hire a PR firm. We're going to hire an agency. We're going to have them do a campaign. We're going to get 20 hits. And then that's it. That's our thought leadership. But the reality is, even though that might be a good thing to do, that's a very sprint approach. And the truth is it's a marathon approach that works. And what some of the things that are involved in a marathon approach are a long-term strategy, at least a year-long strategic plan. Mm -hmm. Going Mm -hmm. beyond PR to having the other things be involved, social, content development, content strategies, speaking strategies, right? And again, the speaking might be on podcasts or the speaking might be on conferences. You have to decide for the company which one's right for you. Mm -hmm. But having those long-term multifaceted strategies that aren't just about PR, that aren't just about getting a placement in a magazine. Because even though that's a good thing to do, Mm -hmm. that's one little teeny, tiny, tiny piece of the picture, right? It's not Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Um, And then the third piece of it is really understanding you have to educate and engage your entire senior team in this. It cannot just be, oh, let's give that to the marketing department, right? Right. Now, the marketing department might be the the leader in it, but they need to, you need to engage and educate everyone in your executive team. And those, that, that requires some work, right? That's making it just as important. But think about the, think about the results you get from that kind of marketing are incredibly high. So the, the the cost ratio benefit is extremely good in that kind of thought leadership marketing. It's certainly less expensive than putting on a, a conference yeah. for, for thousands of people. Just think about well, that. You think about the difference between sort of renting attention from someone else and owning the attention yourself to make you as a business, you as individuals to be thought leaders, like you are a media channel now. You Absolutely. have people that come to you. And, and by the way, um, reporters will come to you, you know, media will come to you, people will come to you. It's a way to start to establish yourself in that space as someone that's really trustworthy to talk about that space, whatever that space might be, you know, there's right. depending on the industry you're in. But this doesn't take, this doesn't happen overnight. Doing this no. well create, requires consistency, discipline, and takes time. We've both probably talked to executives that say, okay, well, I'll try it for a couple of weeks and see if right. it works. I'm like, well, if that's your mentality, then just don't bother. Don't bother. Right? What, how do you set expectations with people about what it takes to start to build meaningful momentum that will show some of those results? That's a great question. And so here's how I answer that, because what happens is people think it's a one in one out phenomenon, but it's really not. It isn't. Well, if you do, if you do one podcast, you'll get this percentage of increase in clients. It really doesn't work that way. It has to do with building up a reputation. So I just want to give you, I'll give you an example for me, right? 
because this, this happens to me every day. Every day I get a call from someone that says, hi, I was Googling someone who can do some work on thought leadership or personal branding or co corporate branding and your name came up and I looked at your website and I really liked your website. And then I saw that you did some videos. So I went and I saw some of your YouTube videos and then I realized that you were interviewed on a few podcasts. So I listened to those podcasts and then I noticed that you write for Inc. And so I read some of your pieces on Inc. And I decided to call you. So my question to people is always, which one of those things closed it? And the answer yeah. is all of them and none of them. Right, right. Because they're touch points. And the reality is we live in a touch point world. It isn't mm -hmm. one thing that gets it done. You know, years ago when I was doing this and Oprah had her show on every day, people call me going, I got to be on Oprah. I need to be on Oprah. That's the, you know, that's what's going to make my business go crazy. Now, if you had the right product, it could do that, but it didn't do that for most people. Mm -hmm. But we don't live in an Oprah, Oprahized world anymore where one thing does it. It's really all these little touch points. So part of what I tell my corporate clients is I say, look, you have to give this at least six months. It's not that you don't see movement, but what you're doing over the first six months is you're just building the touch points. Then over the second six months, the touch points are what people start to engage with. And that's when you start to hear people say, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I saw this, or I saw your company did that, or I saw this. And again, it's usually two to three touch points that are needed to close the deal. Sometimes it's five touch points. Yeah. Does that answer the question? Am I answering yeah, it does. that? I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a body of work, you know, that, exactly. that you know, you're looking for here, not individual, you know, touch points. And I think also, you know, Matt Solomon asked the question here, you know, what if you don't have a year to wait for this plan? And so I think, you know, you mentioned in your answer there, like, you know, give it at least six months um, and know that it's going to be a body of work that sort of generates this. I think that's, you know, for Matt. Well, it, looking, it takes a year to see results. It means yeah. that from beginning to end, if you're a Fortune 500 company, you have to be willing to commit to at least a year's worth of thought leadership activity to mm -hmm. see the full results. You'll see things before that. But if you're just going to go, well, we're just going to do this for a month, you're you may as well just hire a PR firm and get some PR. It'll be a lot cheaper, a lot easier. Or just buy some ads, right? I mean, this I is what people do when they ads. don't. Yeah, I mean, if you if you need it right away, go buy some ads. You're going to pay a premium for That's someone else's for someone exactly. else's attention. Um, all right, we've got a few more minutes here with our guest Karen Tiber Leland. She is the uh, CEO of Sterling Marketing Group. Uh, we're you know we may get back to chocolate or cowgirling in a minute, but I wanted to. Ask Matt, I just want to say that on my because I just redid my website finally. Yeah. You know, if I'm on my website, there's a there's a free quiz people can take. Um, to assess their marketing and they can do it either personal or business or whatever. But if you want to know where you are in terms of the level of thought leadership, you can just go on and take that really simple nine question questionnaire for the marketing pyramid. It's free awesome. and it's an easy way to see where you are. And this is just a sterlingmarketinggroup.com? Yep. Or karenleland.com. Either one goes to the same right. place. Awesome. So, um, Thought leaders oftentimes, I mean, you may get this question if someone says, okay, what do I need to do on Facebook? Or everybody seems to be on Clubhouse today. Or we're doing this on LinkedIn Live and it's also a podcast. C can you help people differentiate between the thought leadership of the thoughts, the channels, and the tools? Like how do those mix together? How yeah, that's a great question. So the thought leadership is really claiming a space and looking mm -hmm. at a space and saying, I'm going to be someone or I'm going to be a company or an individual that's seen as really being at the leading edge of creating the next thing and really a deep expertise in this space, right? Mm -hmm. My space is 
is branding, right? Mm -hmm. CEO branding, personal branding, executive branding, corporate branding, you know, that's my space. Mm -hmm. I understand digital marketing, but digital marketing is not my space, right? That is, mm -hmm. I would never say I'm an expert in digital marketing. So the thought leadership piece is claiming a space or spaces. The, the channel space, the channel piece has to do with where your particular consumers, where your particular audiences consume their information. So right. what happens is Clubhouse is a perfect example because I've had so many clients calling me hysterical. I got to get on Clubhouse. I'm not on Clubhouse. I'm not doing Clubhouse. So well, Clubhouse is great, but it might not be the right thing for you, right? Facebook is great, but it might not be the right thing for you, right? right. right. So part of it is determining which of those channels, and it's not all channels are not all equal. Which of those channels are right for you given your audience, where your audience consumes information, right? Who your audience is, what your expertise is, what space you're in. So all what the demographic is of that, of that, of that channel. So all of that has to go into the mix. And what happens is people do what I call, this is actually the title of the next book. The next book is called No More Drunk Marketing or The End of Drunk Marketing. We haven't quite decided yet, but I yeah. call all of that drunk marketing. It's like just throwing all of this time and energy. I got a client, she was throwing all this time and energy into Clubhouse and she was complaining that she wasn't getting anything from it. And I said, well, your audience probably isn't on Clubhouse. The people that would hire you probably are not going to find you on Clubhouse. So that's probably not a good use of your time. So that's the channel piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. And then what was the third piece of it? it just the tools, right? Which sometimes is a little separate piece as well. Well, the ch and just give me, when you buy the tools, you mean, tell me what you mean by the tools. Well, I, you know, I've, oftentimes we get people asking us like, you know, what are the technology, what are the marketing and sales technology tools we should buy? Like first process, second technology, third, right. so the tools you use only matter if the, if the channels. Exactly. So people often look at the tools, like the tools are going to do the work and they often get sold. Like, well, the tools will do the work for you. The tools never do the work. Tools are just tools. That's why, you know, we're talking about, we were talking about the cowgirl thing earlier. That's why like the ranch I was just at, you had 30 people of all different skills. You mm -hmm. gave everyone the same reins. You gave everyone the same saddle. You gave everyone the same tools, but right. boy, did they do different things with those tools. Yeah. So tools are just that they're just tools and they get driven by the thought leadership space you're in. They get driven by the mediums that you use and the platforms. And then you have to pick tools that are congruent with those mm -hmm. things. Love it. Well, we are about out of time, Karen. Um, just want to make sure people go to sterlingmarketinggroup.com, karenleland.com. Check out your book, The Brand Mapping Strategy. I'll definitely look forward to drunk marketing. That analogy is now immediately one of my new favorites. Uh, Karen, thank you so much for doing this and joining Sales Pipeline Radio today. My pleasure. So good to see you, Matt, as always. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be here again next week, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern, every Thursday. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.